Okay, now we'll start. We'll start this. Oh, let's Hi, guys. Be right with you. We've got Ronnie here. Let me start these others. Let's see if I remember this one here. I'll be able one day to talk about the funny stuff we do to do a show. <laughs> hey guys, you are watching the Alta Perform show, the show about performing your best in business and life. And today I have Ronnie Daniel. He's an executive director of the Alzheimer's Association, and he's a regular on our show. Great. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, We did uh, just a radio version. We're also on the radio on iTunes and iHeart. You can find us on there, or you can actually just Google Alter Perform, one word, and everything shows up. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, everything shows up. You can even listen to it on Google. The, the show will pop up on Google. I forgot nice. to tell you that. I'll no, be good. I'll I have... wonder. I checked it out a week ago. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I own it. So you don't have to put show anymore. Just all to perform. That's nice. Yeah, Very cool. Really cool. I'll you check that out. Link to it. So uh, we, uh, Ronnie has knows so much about Alzheimer's. Uh, and now I, I know I asked you this before, and I hear it commonly. And I see it the same. Is Alzheimer's and dementia the same thing? Yeah, well, hand in hand. It, it does work? go hand in hand. So dementia is not really a disease. It's more of a, a a list of conditions. And so, in order for someone to be diagnosed with dementia, they have to have um, some some factors that are going on that, that impact their daily life. So, issues with memory, issues with vision, issues with mobility. So, if a doctor sees those things in their lives, uh, they might diagnosed with dementia, but dementia is really just an umbrella term, kind of like the word cancer mm. is an umbrella word, and underneath that are all the different types of cancer. If a doctor told you you had cancer, you'd want to know specifically what kind of cancer, right? Because they can't really treat it without knowing where the cancer oh, yeah. is. Oh, yeah, cancer, heart cancer. Right, so dementia is that same kind of word, and underneath that umbrella are all different types of dementia. So Alzheimer's dementia is one of those types, and it it's the most prevalent type. It accounts for about 80% of all types of dementia. But you also have other types of dementia like uh, frontotemporal dementia. Um, uh, you also have uh, vascular dementia. Sometimes you, dementia can even be brought on by a traumatic brain injury. Mm. Um, and so there's the, they all fit underneath that umbrella. But Alzheimer's is the most predominant kind. And so that's why it gets most often referred to. Nice. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. And it's fun. It's a fun disease to. Uh, I mean, I could only imagine what it's like for my dad. So my dad has been dealing with that for the past. Uh, how long does it usually? When so, does it actually show up? So Five years, ten years ago. Yeah. So usually, um, most people from the time they're diagnosed until they end up passing from the disease, uh, on average, is about six to eight years. Mm. Um, so it just depends on you know when they get diagnosed with the thing. But there's been people who have lived for more than twenty years uh, with the disease. And uh, some that, you know, pass away, you know, very quickly. And so mm-hmm. it just really depends. We often say that if you meet 100 people with dementia or Alzheimer's disease, you've seen 100 different types of Alzheimer's disease mm-hmm. because no person, you know, progresses through this disease the same as another person. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've seen that. Like I was telling you how 
I've taken my father to uh, the hospital a lot last year, and uh, we'll we'll probably talk about my dad a bit. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) But uh, and I saw how when his conscious mind was disrupted and he was confused, his subconscious mind reacted. Like where he was fine while he was in the hospital, and all of a sudden he started having more things to deal with. He had to have a catheter put in. He had to have a feed to put in. He forgot how to swallow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the doctors said he wasn't going to live past a week or two. Yeah. They're going to take the feed to that, and he was done. Well, it's been 10 months since then. Wow. Well, and, and that's true. I mean, the pathology of this disease uh, progresses differently with every person. So it starts for Alzheimer's disease, uh, predominantly in the memory centers of the brain. That's why memory issues are so often associated with that. And it's short-term memory that goes first. And then the disease kind of progresses through other parts of the brain. It'll start to impact behaviors. And so a person who is normally mild-mannered might all of a sudden become, you know, very angry or very disruptive. Um, And then it goes into other parts of the brain. And so psychosis and and people start to see, you'll see uh, um, weird kinds of hallucinations and things like that. And then eventually it'll go all the way down into the hippocampus area and start to impact breathing and swallowing mm-hmm. and some of those those really poor functions that your your hippocampus controls. And then actually most you know most people end up passing away from a condition like that. They you know from their body forgets what to do. Exactly. Yeah, and, so, and so that's usually how they die. Um, but it's brought on because of the. I forgot how, how fun this show will be for me. <laughs> By the way, this is this is what you can expect. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, but it's interesting that you, you say that though, because that's you know, a lot of people fear that knowing what this disease might do. But in reality, most people when they this when they have a clear understanding of what the disease is and what it will do, there's there's a sense of comfort that comes with that. Yeah, it's going to be hard, and yeah, but you know what's coming. You know, and you can know what how to better deal with that. Um, you know, the, uh, the Alzheimer's Association publishes every year what we call our facts and figures, and the 2018 version of that just came out. So you can go just on our website at alz.org, and uh, just there, it's right there on the, the front page, and click the so facts that, and figures. That's alz.org, and you can click on the facts and figures. Right. And also, I forgot to mention, if you want to call in, you have any questions, that, that's okay. Sure, absolutely. And comments on Facebook, you can put comments in there, and I'll be reviewing it. So I look like I'm not paying attention. I'm really paying attention. Yeah. But uh, go ahead and put it in the comments, and I'll get it. And when, when we can, I'll ask, we'll ask the question. Sure. And you're welcome to call in 713-955-0531. That's 713-955-0531. So what I was, what I was going to say is in this latest report, it actually highlights the the uh, huge financial impact of having an earlier diagnosis. So you know early on uh, if you have the disease and if you're a family member caring for someone with the disease, if you know early on, it's estimated in the United States that over the next 10 years, if we were to have earlier diagnosis, we could save $9.7 trillion trillion in healthcare costs um, just simply by knowing uh, earlier what this disease is because you can better manage care. And even though we can't yet find a way to cure this disease or slow it down, um, there there's things we can do to help improve quality of life. And, and so that's the importance of getting an earlier diagnosis. Well, what do we know? 
like you mentioned, uh, have a better chance mm-hmm. to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I bet if all that money was funneled into that. I, I've always wondered why we are so, we just run around running into walls. When if we just take care of the problem, mm-hmm. that money that's being wasted. I, I'm guessing because it's not wasted. It's going to some research that right. wants it. Right. Um, but if we just applied that money towards making a difference for that, we wouldn't have that problem. We can go do something else. Right. You go land on the moon and have a colony there, or uh, you know, there's so many other things yeah. we could do than just fighting among ourselves Absolutely. and not taking care yeah, of. Yeah, and that and that's the real real key is how can we find a way to cure this disease? You know, it's estimated if we don't do anything right now in the United States, for instance, there's 5.7 million people living with Alzheimer's disease. 5.7 million people. Yeah, and if we don't do anything to stop it or slow it down, by the year 2050, that number will more than triple. And so there are over 16 million people oh. with this disease. And, yeah, and the costs will skyrocket. This year alone in the United States, we're going to spend $277 billion caring for people with, the, with this disease. And that number will quadruple over $1 trillion by the year 2050 if we don't slow this down. And so you're absolutely right. That's such a, an outpouring of dollars. And, and if we could find a way to cure this disease, that all, that, all those funds could be redirected to something very useful. And so whatever it is, the better the quality of life absolutely. for all of us. Absolutely. For all of us. It's not like one area. Everyone would have life better if we yeah. took care of all the things that aren't working. Absolutely. And so the real key is, is research. Research is our only hope. And so we need to get more and more money going towards research. Um, and the Alzheimer's Association has taken a key role in that. You know, just about 10 or so years ago, there, there was less than about $500 million annually going to the National Institutes of Health for Alzheimer's Research. But through grassroots efforts and, and helping to lobby Congress, you know, through Individuals like you and I, that number is now $1.8 billion. And so we've seen a significant growth in the number of dollars going to Alzheimer's research. But we have to have that consistently going in and more and more going in. If if you compare that to cancer research, um, for the last 20 years, there's been over $5 billion annually going into cancer research. Mm. And we're starting to see some big impact from that. You know, you hear all the time about people beating cancer or it's in remission or, mm-hmm. or people are, yeah, are, are surviving, true. True. which is awesome. You know, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. When you heard cancer, it was the best thing. It was. But now people are, are surviving cancer all the time. Mm-hmm. We, I, I'm very confident in the next five to 10 years, we'll get that same point for Alzheimer's disease. It's just now that we're, we're as a nation, as a, as, a, as a world, we're focusing on this disease. Um, you know, if you think about it, you know, the, let me just give you a comparison in um, the, what, what impact research has. When you think about cancer, over the last decade, the number of deaths caused by cancer have decreased by 11%. In that same time frame, the number of deaths caused by Alzheimer's disease have increased by 123%. 123%. Yeah. And so, but, but the big difference there is because we're, you know, there's been such a focus for the last 20 years on cancer research. So my father forgets the, how to swallow. Would, if he had passed away, he's not going to uh, I mean, today anyway. But anyway, um, what uh, would they say he died from Alzheimer's or would they say he died because he couldn't swallow? It, it depends on the doctor. I forgot the technical term for this. Yeah, um, uh, aspiration. Aspiration, exactly. Yeah. And so it really depends on the doctor. Um, more and more doctors today are, are putting down for, for they might die 
of aspiration due to Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And they're listing both of those oh, things okay. on the death certificate, which is great. That's, that's important. Um, because that, you know, it's, it's one thing for the healthcare profession to acknowledge this is a, a, certainly a cause of death. And, mm -hmm. and the more we can be, be aware of that and, and, you know, training healthcare professionals is so important. You know, you mentioned to me earlier, as we were talking about taking your father to the hospital and there's a disconnect, you know, with healthcare professionals about what this disease is and how to best treat it. And I'm guessing, you know, now that we're thinking about it, because we've been going to the University of Utah and they're top notch there. Yeah. Um, they're not trained in it. Right. That must be it. They have no idea. It's, what, it's absolutely true. I mean, they're trained how to be kind and compassionate, but they don't know what to do. And they, they'll treat the symptoms that you're bringing them in for, but they won't treat it as a conjunction of the entire disease. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and that's definitely one thing that we're working on here in Utah and across the country is how to get better healthcare training for our professionals. Because if you look at a nurse, for instance, who goes through four years of, of school, um, the number, guess what number of hours she would have in Alzheimer's and dementia-related training? Two. Less than that. Oh, what's about one and a half hours of training on how to deal with Alzheimer's mm -hmm. disease. And for a, for a doctor, 16 years of school to become a doctor, about the same thing, about three or four hours of training that whole time about oh, wow. dementia. And so our, our doctors and nurses are coming out and they're, they're trained to, you know, treat people, they're, and they're wonderful. I'm not trying to say anything yeah, bad about the healthcare sure. profession, but Alzheimer's and geriatric types of are not part of their normal, you know, ongoing training. And so the, the, and the fact of the matter is, is that uh, because of the baby boomer generation, for the next 40 years, we're going to see a balloon of, uh, of people aging. Mm -hmm. You know, statistically right now, at age 65, one in 10 people will have Alzheimer's disease. At age 85, it's one in three. And so as you think about this, the number of people uh, in, the, in the category from 75 and older is going to become the fastest, one of the fastest growing populations in, the, in our country. Mm. And so the more and more people that are in that age category, you apply that statistic to it. That just shows you why this number of people living with Alzheimer's disease is going to grow significantly. And those of us that are lucky, lucky enough not to have the disease are going to be caring for those people. And so, you know, this is going to become a disease that's going to impact like, all like of us. Like I said, lucky. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you know how lucky it is if not have this disease. I mean, you're dealing with your dad, and you see, it's just, it's a horrible disease. I mean, it just takes well, the person you love and just totally disrupts them. Yeah, he was such a he's still strong and assertive. Yeah, yeah. So he wants something. Like people ask me, why don't you just he you should put him like yesterday. He needs to be in the wheelchair, not walk. I'm like, it's my dad. Yeah. Do you want me to fight <laughs> the old man to be in the wheelchair? Because right. that's what it will take. Exactly. Right. He'll, you know, I can't find him. You have some some things where you uh, the uh, what I've learned is there's some battles that you just okay. You want to walk? I'll Absolutely. I'll walk with you. Yeah. You and and, and you're, you've learned over the, the several years of dealing with your dad the some of the things that most caregivers have to learn how to cope with the person they're living, that they love and they're living with and how to help move them through the disease process. Mm -hmm. um, but you're absolutely right. You have to live in their reality. You have to pick your battles. You have to decide what to, what, when to fight, when not to fight. And, um, and that's, that's really some of the key coping skills that, uh, that the Alzheimer's uh, Association through our support groups provides. Uh, is that real kind of counseling and coaching for caregivers and how to best uh, help their loved ones through this process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tricky for sure. So, 
What's being done to find a cure? So wonderful things. Um, the Alzheimer's Association is uh, the world's leading uh, expert on Alzheimer's research, and so mm-hmm. we we are the only. We're one of the uh, the top three funders of Alzheimer's research. We're only behind the United States government, the Chinese government, actually. Oh wow! And so really, we focus in on finding startup research and fund it in smaller amounts and get a lot of those going so that they can then uh, give, show a body of work and then they can qualify for NIH or you know, larger amounts. And so, uh, but there's some really absolutely fascinating things going on. It's believed that the, the primary causes for Alzheimer's disease and other related dementia is a buildup of what's called a beta amyloid plaque in the brain. Mm-hmm. It's a protein that builds up and begins to destroy the neurons in your brain. And so those synapses begin to break down. And so as the, the, the disease spreads throughout the brain and those synapses die, then that's what causes the, the symptoms that you're dealing with with your dad. Um, so the, the research is, is uh, pointed towards what if we could find a way to stop the buildup of that beta amyloid plaque, or if it's built up, could we actually diminish it in the brain? Mm-hmm. And so there's some fascinating pharmaceutical um, approaches that are under uh, in phase three trials right now looking to see if that can be done. Um, some other um, things that are looking at is from a genetic perspective. Uh, there's a fascinating researcher here in Utah at Brigham Young University that's a geneticist, and he has looked at a, at a large population base and identified in, in a big, in a large uh, ancestral family, and he's seen you know, all the people in that big family who have um, gotten Alzheimer's disease, and he's been able to match up their chromosomes to see what they have in common. And then he's been able to lay over top of that um, those people who have the same chromosomes but haven't gotten the disease mm. and determine what's different about them. And, they, and from that, they've determined, you know, what, what, you know, something that these people have that have kept them protected, even though they've got all the genes to get the disease, mm. there's, a, there's a, some gene there that's keeping them from protected from mm. those other parts. And so can we then take that and figure out a way of, you know, uh, creating, you know, kind of a serum or something that we could take that would protect us from yeah, those vaccines. So there's there's some really exciting things happening right now. Um, you know, on the other side of it, you know, is there a way that we can prevent uh, cognitive decline? There is. I mean, there's there's uh, environmental studies that have been going on in the Scandinavian countries that are going to be coming here in the United States in the next year. Mm-hmm. But they've determined over a longitudinal study that there are certainly things that we can do to reduce our risk of getting uh, cognitive disease, which would lead to Alzheimer's. And so those are really boiled down to four key things. The first one is eating a heart-healthy diet. So the Mediterranean diet is one that's most often pointed to as a good diet. What, what is the, so the Mediterranean diet is, uh, is you know, lean meats, uh, fishes, excuse me, fishes and chickens, a lot of vegetables, fruits, um, good oils, you know, the healthy and uh, non-saturated fat oils. Olive oil and things like that. So that that's the if you if you Google just Mediterranean diet, you'll get a, a, a big sense of what was okay, in there. Okay. Um, so not diet coke every day, like well, three times a day. Right, and so keeping yeah. you know those bad kind of chemicals out of your body. Diet coke at all. So <laughs> I don't I don't drink diet coke. So I, and I don't I don't either. But you know keeping those you know things that aren't natural, keep them out of your body. You know so smoking fits into that as well. If you you know, can reduce smoking, that'll help as well. But the, the second big thing is... So you mentioned smoking. Uh, what about tobacco and marijuana? For sure, yeah. Because it is a thing now. Right. I mean, it was yeah. before, of course, but now it's legal in some areas. Correct. How does that... 
Do we have any? So there, there's no evidence that uh, that scientifically shows that you know marijuana, for instance, will positively impact the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, now, certainly, you know marijuana has been shown to help relieve pain. Um, but but and you see with your father, you know, there's so much not an issue with pain as it is with just the cognitive functioning. It's the cognitive functioning uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so so the so marijuana and and, and impact with Alzheimer's. I'm not I'm not here to say whether it is or isn't. There's just been no scientific evidence that shows whether it is a positive yeah. impact. Um, so so definitely the eating healthily, keep you know whatever you take in your body, make sure it's heart healthy uh, is is really important. The second thing is to get. Um, a regular uh, exercise regimen. So increasing the blood flow to your brain. If you think about it, you know, what is fueling your brain? What's keeping it healthy? It's the oxygen that flows through your brain. Every time your heart beats, it's estimated that 25% of the blood in your body goes to your brain every time. And so the better How that many blood times flow, that a I don't know, but uh, okay. it's it, 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 60 or something like that. Yeah. But, but uh, not every second, I don't think, but it's yeah, every every I mean, normal, a normal resting heart rate is about 60 beats per minute, and so every beat, you know, 25% of that blood's going to your brain, and so if you're able to increase your blood flow to your brain, that's going to help keep your brain healthier. So, you know, regular cardiovascular, cardiovascular, yeah, and and it doesn't have to be anything really. It's not like you have to go out and start running a marathon. It's just going for a 30-minute walk every day can mm-hmm. really be a way to do that and, and build up slowly. You know, go, go for a 5-minute walk and then a 10-minute walk and then a 15-minute walk. Just build up slowly until you can get to 30 minutes every day. And the, and the other part of that research has shown that it's never too late to start. So if you're not currently exercising, if you start today, that will have a positive impact on you and your body. So eating healthily, exercise. The third thing is making sure that you um, continue to exercise your brain, to stimulate your brain cognitively, to learn new things. And so um, part of that could be doing puzzles like Sudoku and the crossword puzzles and things like that. But, but more importantly, it's, it's learning new skills. And so if you've never been a piano player, learn how to play the piano or you know, learn how to knit or learn how to do some other hobby because that process of learning builds new neurotransmissions in your brain. And so if your brain does have, uh, you know, the, those buildup of beta amyloid plaque, you're becoming more elastic in your brain and you can help get around those damaged areas of your brain. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, um, I've heard that because my dad speaks five languages, mm-hmm. it helps him. Absolutely. I mean, there's some areas protected, but it also hurts them in some ways. I yeah, learn, well, learning, certainly learning new skills and new learning languages is a really good way of doing that. And then the fourth thing is to stay socially engaged. Mm. You know, people who tend to be hermits and stay alone, they, you see their cognitive decline uh, more rapidly. And so, you know, get out and join a club or, you know, go to the gym or go, you know, play cards or whatever you enjoy doing, but do it with other people. And uh, so you can combine, you know, the, the eating healthy with, with doing it with other people or learning a new skill and do it with other people or exercise and do it with other people and combine those things together, that makes it even better for you. So, so those are those are the things that we know from research to help reduce your risk for cognitive decline. And I mentioned that that was a study done in uh, Finland and uh, in Scandinavian countries, but now, starting next year, there's going to be a study that's going to be done here in the United States. Uh, so we'll get a much broader... And they're coming um, here. They're coming here to do a similar study. In fact, it's one that the Alzheimer's Association is launching, um, and it will help to you know, really look at that same kind of a study on a much larger scale and a lot, a lot more ethnic diversity within the, 
within the, uh, the study will do. What, what can a person do if they were dealing with someone? That, like, like two questions. What's the difference between Alzheimer's and uh, senile? Mm-hmm. And then uh, what can people out there do when they're uh, working or dealing with uh, someone interacting? Just mm-hmm. not necessarily uh, a family member, but they're just interacting with people. Sure. Because I've noticed that they're, when we've taken my dad out or whatever, they're just kind of numb, and they just kind of do whatever. Right. They don't know what to do. Right. So first question, senility, is mm-hmm. kind of a, an arcade, arcane word for mm-hmm. some of the same things we're talking about. Same so that used to be what people would call, you know, uh, Alzheimer's disease was senility or hardening of the arteries or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not really a technical term we use anymore. It's, you know, it's really we try to get a very specific. Yeah, I don't, I don't hear it much anymore. Yeah. I heard someone occasionally say it. They usually say Alzheimer's. Yeah. Alzheimer's. So um, what should you do if you're you're not a you know regular family member and you you have a, a friend or something that, that has Alzheimer's? You know, really is to treat them like you normally would. Don't. Uh, don't try to treat them differently. Try to engage them in conversations, but be be ready that you may have to have the same conversation again and again and again because, mm-hmm. as I said, this disease impacts people's short-term memories. And so they may not remember that they just had a conversation about your trip to Hawaii. Uh, five minutes later, they're going to ask you again about your trip to Hawaii, right? And so yeah, you just have to be yeah, ready I for that. Way down, going to Boise and doing this. Yeah. And so and while we're sitting there, he goes, where are you going? He, he remembers some of it. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I, I'm used to it now, so I'm going to avoid The I'm first thing is to you know be patient, don't get frustrated with it, and, and as we were talking before, tr- you know certainly live within their reality. Mm-hmm. If they're confident that you're not going to Boise, you're going to you know uh, Chicago. Great, sure. go to Chicago. You might go to you know? Chicago right? <laughs> exactly, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and we we kind of you know refer to that as you know it, people sometimes will say, well, you, you're lying to them, you're not telling them the truth, but you know. It's living in their reality, really. I mean, well, it's, it's hard to get until you go through it for a it bit, is. and then, okay, I'll try this. Oh, yeah. it's working. Yeah. Like, my mom was, uh, and we took my dad to Egypt last year, and he wants to go to Egypt, because yeah. he didn't go. Sometimes he remembers he went. Right. He didn't go. So he's always going to Egypt, because in Egypt, he'll feel better. Yeah. That's really where he wants to go. Right. And I said, and I, and I tell him, Dad, you're not going to feel good anywhere we go. Yeah. And I sometimes, I sometimes tell them we went, and then sometimes I go, my mom's like, oh, when are we going? I watched her, Yeah. and uh, I told her she had a mental illness too, but I, uh, she's like, when are we going? Tomorrow? Okay, let's, tomorrow, we'll talk tomorrow. I'm like, oh, don't tell me. She's like, no, no, it's okay. Yeah. Who's going to forget? Right. So, and then you can just, you can talk, you can bring it up and talk about it day after day, and that mm-hmm. will help them to feel calm about it. But if you try to fight with them about it, that gets them agitated oh, yeah. and then really makes it. Why are you trying to troll me? Exactly. Do you need it? You know, we we just I was just working with uh, one of our uh, our clients uh, yesterday, who uh, the, I was talking to the caregiver and the caregiver was saying, you know, my, this my husband has always been the one that controlled our finances, mm-hmm. always had to be in control of that, and obviously now he can't yeah. any longer. But he gets upset when he can't sit down and write checks mm-hmm. and pay the bills. And so a solution that we suggested to her and that she tried that she was kind of coming back reporting saying it worked, but she just found an old checkbook and she went get yeah, the, the account that's closed. And so she, she let him go through the bills and write the checks. You know, what happened afterwards, he didn't know about. She, she didn't mail them. She didn't mail them, obviously. She kind of just 
Yeah, but, but it let him go through the process yeah, yeah. of things that were familiar to him, yeah. and that helped to calm him down and make him feel like he was still doing what he was doing. And it's, you know, yeah, it's living in that reality uh, that they're having and letting them feel like they're still contributing. Yeah. Mm, great. About a half hour. Oh, good. Cool. Well, that was that. Whenever I talk to you, it like takes time. It's, uh, it's good. So where does the Alzheimer's we're going to wrap up? But okay. Where does the Alzheimer's Association get their funding? So we're a nonprofit organization. So the the vast majority of our funding comes through events that we do, like our walked in Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and they're typically held in the fall of the year all around the country. There's over 600 walks nationwide. And so again, if you just go to our website at alz.org and and find uh, you know, just look at the, the little tab that'll pump up on Walked and Alzheimer's. You can start a team and, and get engaged with the Walkmans in your area. Then we have the Utah one that's on this uh, link for Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we also have on the audio version. Can right. we go there too? Absolutely. Can- yeah, just go to that Go to that link and, and uh, it'll actually, the first thing it'll bring up is, you know, find your walk. And so you put in your zip code or your address and it'll take you to the walk that's nearest you. Mm-hmm. And then you can get engaged there. So, great. yeah, if you're here, if you're here in Utah, you know, we have actually eight walks that we're doing. Um, we're you know, all the way from Logan down to St. George. Mm-hmm. And so they'll start the last well, time. How does the walk work? I remember, so, I remember the one for a while. But yeah, so people just, for your yeah, so people just sign up and there's no, there's no specific requirement for you to raise money. This is more about engagement and building awareness. Mm-hmm. But certainly as you announce to people online that you're walking and ask for their support, you know, you'll start to see five dollars, ten dollars, twenty-five dollars roll in from people that want to support you, particularly your, your family and friends. And most of our teams are walking either to honor someone who's currently living with the disease, or walking in memory of someone who's passed from the disease. Mm-hmm. And so they spread that information out to family and friends that they find a lot of people are willing to support what they're mm-hmm. doing. And, and those funds go to the local chapter. Uh, where you live to help them provide the care and support services that the Alzheimer's Association has. That's great. Uh, what can people do to help the organization besides the walks? So, so walk is certainly good. You know, I would certainly recommend people to go to our website and uh, just become educated. You know, as we raise awareness about this disease and people are able to um, connect to the resources, then they can talk to other people and help connect them. So become familiar with our resources on ALZ.org. And also, one of the things that I forgot to mention is we have an incredible 24-7 helpline that people can call anytime, day or night. Yeah, you call it. Yeah, and so they, it comes up and, you know, they can reach that into, uh, you know, they'll, they can get help in 200 different di- languages and dialects. Oh, wow. There's incredible source there. So that number is 800-272-3900. People can get uh, connected there. And all that's free of charge. There's no, no cost to be involved with that. And all of our support groups, all of our community education programs are all free. So, that's uh, that's, so we raise money to and help. And they do. I've called them. They're very helpful. Sometimes they call you back, but they call you back. Absolutely. And they're very helpful. And I was like, I don't want to do it right now. Yeah. Right in the beginning of it because he was so, you know, like you said, he's in charge. Yeah. He can't take it so away. So the people you'll talk to, as you know, Adam, are their master levels, mm-hmm. uh, clinicians and social workers. And so they've been there, done that. They know how to help coach people. And so you can say, here's my problem. And they'll you walk away with multiple strategies on how to yeah. deal with that. So yeah, for really sure. Good. It was really good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for My being pleasure. on. I'll wrap thank all you. this up so we'll be live here for a second still. Okay. Thank you guys for listening and watching to the Ultimate Forum Show, the show about performing your best in business and life weekdays at 5 o'clock. You can find it on Facebook, iTunes, Twitter, 
Uh, just Google Ultra Perform and you'll see us there. See you later. Thanks, guys. Thank you.